Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. And we'll start talking about the Brighton game and we'll start off with you, Ariane. Do you think that Spurs were lucky to take the three points on the day? I don't think so. I think what kind of happened on the, the reaction to the performance was a lot of negativity from the previous performances and um, a bit of obviously the scoreline is important but there was a, a very large kind of over importance I don't know what the word there's a, there's a word that I can't think of right now but people were kind of making this the scoreline until the 96th minute too big um, because I think more than anything Brighton were lucky to be one nil ahead not that they were playing poorly they were playing better than us in the first 10-15 minutes where they did end up getting that goal but it came from penalty and after that penalty they created absolutely nothing besides the fatty miss at the very end besides that they did nothing all game and it was some periods of possession dominance that didn't amount to much and when we had the ball I think especially when like towards the beginning of that um you know like right before the Kulusevsky substitution the triple substitution and kind of towards the tail end of that first half I thought every time we looked we got the ball we looked very dangerous going forward and there was some uh there was a plenty of times where you played this one pass properly though you played you you know even some misses just with this one extra thing and we score on another day, plenty more. If Son, for example, instead of Richarlison, I'm wearing a Richarlison shirt right now. If instead of Richarlison, it was Son up top, um, it would have been a completely different game, I think, if we had his finishing, his technique, his first touch. But Richarlison brings something different to the game, but I don't think that's what we needed that game, and so we struggled a little bit. But in the end, guess who ended up creating that goal anyway? It was Son. So I think because of some personnel issues and some uh, sp- like catching up the substitutions at the speed issues, just some small things here and there, and we got the result we deserved. I don't think it was lucky. I think it was coming, and I think it just we left it late. And that's sometimes what happens. You said it was coming, but I mean, when we did score that goal in the last minute, it was against the run of play, wasn't it? I disagree. I don't think so. Uh, and oh, actually, no, 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 because I'm trying. I'm trying to kind of recap the game. In my head. Yes, there was a period of possession that they had, but I think when we scored that goal, uh, it was actually right after their kind of period where we had like a good six, seven minutes on the ball. And I think I'm a little bit kind of. It's a little bit different for me because I feel like a lot of people that I was, I was watching the game with my dad. I was telling my dad the whole entire game. I was like, I feel like we're going to make one. I feel like it's coming. I feel I, I, all game. I had a feeling it was coming. So for me, I guess it was a little bit expected in terms of like, oh, I called it. But I honestly don't think it was against the run of play even in that moment because I remember we had, especially, especially during extra time, it was all Spurs. To my, it didn't look during extra time. It didn't look like Brighton were going to get a winner. That's not what I felt. In around the 80th minute, it looked like Brighton might have gotten a winner but not during extra time. So I don't think it came against one to play. 
Mm. Uh, before we continue, Ari, some people are complaining about a bit of a low volume on your mic. So if you can just maybe slightly put it pull it towards your mouth, that'd be great. I think just um, a slight reposition. Okay. No, maybe, wor no worries. Maybe that's better. I don't know. In terms of what you're saying, I, I kind of did felt that we got away with one. I felt that, you know, in the last 20 minutes of the game, they had a few really good chances. Ansu Fati uh, probably should have done better with that chance he had. I think there was another one then in there as well. And me sitting at the stadium, I did kind of, at the end of the game, feel like we did get away with one there. But, I mean, where do you sit on it, Amir? Yeah, I think I'm, I'm siding with you there, Ben, a little bit, you know, with, with that one. It, for me, um, although I agree with Ariane that, I don't think it was luck that, you know, we won the game. We didn't, you know, it wasn't a Liverpool where we got a dodgy offside and we won the game. No, it wasn't that. We we won it last minute with, a you know, a bit of pure magic there by Sonny and Johnson sneaking in at the back post. But um, there were times in that game where Brighton were just absolutely dominating us, you know, and um, our press wasn't exactly working and they were passing it around way too easy for my liking. Um, I think if they had a bit more of a threat up front, you know, uh, on another day, we would have uh, would have lost that uh, or, or drawn. So I think we did get away with one in a way, and I think we rode our luck uh, a little bit. And you know, it, this is the thing, right? It, it's all well and good. We we got the victory in the end, and I'm and I'm buzzing, and we it's building blocks for Wolves, hundred percent. But for me, I want to go in. I want to see us build on it and when we go to Wolves you know like what I was saying to you Ben you know I want to see us get to a game by the 70th minute or 80th minute and we're two up that's where we need to be look at the other teams around us that are going out slaying teams you know your Arsenal City and Liverpool's are going out and they're putting teams to bed we're not quite there yet we're not quite there yet and that's where we need to build on it's not that you know fantastic we've got the last minute winner but it's, we need to build on it if we want to. If we want to be, you know, in contention and and really challenge for that top four, we need to make sure we're coming home with the points from all these types of games. You know, teams like Wolves, Palace, uh, Luton's, all these teams that are, that are below us in the league, we need to be putting them to bed. Simple as that. If we want fourth, mm, I, I kind of yeah. I mean, obviously, I agree with that. But in terms of back to the point, like if we were lucky to win and if I don't think I think Brighton would have been lucky to win and I think I think a draw was probably a fair result on reflection of the game if you take into account everything um the whole 90 minutes you know both teams had spells and periods of being on top you're looking at the uh, chances created and the xg I mean the xg was wasn't too dissimilar between the both teams I think Brighton was like 1.25 or something and Spurs was like 1.5 or, or something like that I can't remember exactly um Spurs did have more shots Sorry, Ariane. You can look at the open play expected goals. Brighton had like 0.4 on open play. Yeah, I get that. But, you know, I also think that Brighton did create better chances throughout the game. I do think that, like, that Ansu Fati chance that I, oh. I bring it back to. Go on. Well, but, I mean, that's the only chance you can actually think. Like, think about the game, right? And think about another Brighton chance that wasn't the Ansu Fati chance. Vicario made a couple of saves. Vicario did make a couple yeah, of saves. Yeah, in the first half. He did in the first half. From a, one from Matoma, yeah. one really early from Welbeck. Um, apart from that, there was one there was one late one from Buonanote when he had a shot deflected wide, which could have been dangerous. Um, I did think when Spurs were on top, 
we were better than when uh, the, we were better than Brighton when Brighton were on top. That's what I would say. I think the way we played in the last bit of the first half and and the first you know twenty five minutes of the second half was better than how Brighton played when they were on top. I thought we were um, causing them a lot more trouble. We were more dangerous. Um, the goals we scored, what well, obviously really good moves as well. You got to take that into account. We actually opened them up with some really good football, which Brighton weren't. I mean, Brighton did well, but. Um, I don't think they did uh, the, the kind of moves obviously that we did to open them up and I think um, when when we were in our period we were dominating we were pressing really high and we were opening them and we were creating chances I just thought we looked better than Brighton did when Brighton were on top obviously you never want to have any period of the game where you're uh, playing second fiddle and Brighton are dominating and we're struggling to get the ball. And there were definitely periods of that. But Brighton are one of the best teams in the league on the ball. That can happen if you're not completely on your game and you're not as physical as maybe we were in certain periods. I think it was kind of a, definitely an ebb and flow in terms of who had control of the game. But in terms of chances created, I think definitely Spurs, for me, created more chances than Brighton did. I think uh, when when Brighton had their moments to press us in really uh, really aggressively and when we had our moments, I think we did it um, more consistently. I think Brighton had a couple of moments where they obviously, in the first half, they won possession on, on um, in our half uh, a couple of times and created chances. But I think we did it loads of times but uh, there was a lot a number of times we didn't take full advantage of it which was quite frustrating um we had madison you know playing beautiful um travella through balls to richarlison which he should have like made uh more of we had a lot of moments where we actually had a lot of chances but we forget about them because they didn't amount to much but i think actually we probably created enough to win the game when we were on top, but because we didn't take advantage of those moments, then when Brian take control and it's 1-1, you kind of get that feeling, oh, you know, we kind of had it coming, Brian are back on top now and we didn't take advantage when we had when we had the advantage in the game, so we kind of got what we deserve when we're not winning, and when Brian had that period of dominance, that, I'm not going to lie, in that last 15 minutes, a part of me did feel like I'll take a draw now because Brian looked like they were going to score. But they didn't create much, which from Marianne said, they had the chance from Fatty and they kind of had a half chance from Buonanote. But by and large, we actually defended quite well in that in those last 20 minutes. And Brian did struggle to create. And then you've got to say, the goal we scored was a brilliant goal. Like, that has to be taken into account. It was really great build-up, um, like, uh, from, from the back, all the way from Madison to Son to Richarlison, all linking up. Everything was perfect. It was a great counter-attacking goal. And when Brian are going to have that dominance, right, and they're going to push forward, they're going to leave that space in behind. They're going to cause risk because the Brian are a team that don't sit back and just settle for a draw. They're going to try and get the three points. And if they're going to do that, then they're always susceptible to getting hit by a good quality counter-attack. And that's what we provided. So, you know, I, I, like, I don't think you can say... I think on the balance of play, yeah, definitely I would say a draw was probably a fair result. But I'm not coming away from it saying, oh, we were terrible and we definitely got away with one and we, we definitely didn't deserve to win. I think... The goal we scored was a great goal, and I'm just happy that we got the win. Like I don't think it was a case of we definitely got lucky. I think on the balance, draw was probably fair, but 
I don't think it was a complete robbery, like 100%. some people are saying. No, that's 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 completely fair. But you know, if yeah. if we don't score that goal in the last minute, right, we're not sitting there after the game being like, "Oh, how did we draw that game? We definitely deserve to win." You know, it wasn't a, a, a performance like that. And you've got to give credit mm, to yeah. the way Brighton came to our stadium, and um, for periods of that game, they completely outfootballed us. They were passing it around us like we weren't there, especially in those first twenty-five minutes. I was like, "What the hell is going on here? How are they yeah. passing it around us like that?" and so in that sense, we were a bit lucky to win because a draw was a fair result. I think kind of what what it is, and saying a draw is a fair result, a draw, a draw was absolutely a fair result, but I think it's one of those where a draw is a fair result, but if there was a team to win it, it would have been, it would have been Spurs. You're not saying a draw is a fair result and then Brighton were the team likelier to win. You know what I mean? It's one of those where it's like, if I had to pick a team that deserved to win this more, it, you would have picked Spurs. I, I would say I would have picked Spurs as well. And I felt like we were going to get one in the hold because I, 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 I felt one coming. Um, and um, one thing I wanted to kind of point out was I think a lot of a, of the biggest thing responsible for like the performance, everyone's saying performance for that was there was a period right after we scored, right after the triple substitution, where and i was screaming at my tv i lost my voice and you can hear it during the fan show i did not have a voice because i was screaming the whole time nobody ran for like 15 minutes i didn't see one person sprint i didn't see one per i don't know what that was it literally felt like kind of during conte and jose ball when as soon as we scored we would just sit and hold out and i don't know what it was literally and it was players who hadn't even been during this madison didn't run uh, Doggy didn't run. Sar wasn't. I don't know what on earth happened there, but for some reason, and it wasn't. I, you know, I credit to Brighton how they played, but it didn't even have anything to do with how Brighton put work playing. Because even when we had the ball and there was no pressure, you would see nobody was moving into spaces like we were all we'd been. I don't know for some reason, fifteen minutes right after we scored. Anybody who has the match replay can go watch it for fifteen mm. minutes. Nobody ran. I don't know just, what that was. Uh, just to counteract that, Barry, and the three players you mentioned, Madison was set to be taken off due to fatigue, and then Udogi pulled up due to cramp, so Madison had to stay on. And then Udogi, the, you mentioned Udogi, Saar, and, and Madison, right? Saar, were not, Saar was clearly yeah. knackered on the 70th minute. He was giving the ball away at that point. He was clearly very tired. Madison, as I said, was set to be taken off because he was so knackered, but he had to stay on because Udogi, the other player you mentioned, he picked up cramp and he went off instead for Ben Davis. So there was clearly a lot of fatigue, fatigue settling in in that period. I think that definitely contributed. And that can happen against a very intense team like Brighton. You've got to remember, everyone's saying, oh, Brighton played through us. You know, like Brighton um, played great football and they kept the ball. Look, that's what Brighton do. They're a brilliant footballing yeah. team. They're also ahead of us in terms, not ahead of us but they're further down the line when it comes to being together as a team they've been being together now for nearly 18 months under Deserby so they're much more of a well-oiled machine in terms of how they play they know their positions they know their football a lot better than we do not to say that we're not good we are good and we're doing brilliant to be at the level we are at the moment but doesn't mean that we should be ahead of a team who've been together for 18 months just because we're doing well I know we have better players don't get me wrong and you know the way we play football hopefully is more conducive going forward um, to, you know, winning games and stuff like that. But Brighton are a very, very well-coached team. De Zerbi is a very intense manager. He's been one, you know, he's been well-lauded for the last 18 months. He's been one of the best attacking managers in the league and what for what he's done with Brighton. So 
it's no surprise to me, um, even though they have had a mixed season in terms of results, that they can come to the Tottenham Stadium and be confident in the way they're playing and have periods of dominance because they they were waiting for us, Brighton. They wanted us to play how we how we played. They want us to press them. They want us to go at them because what it's going to do is it's going to allow them to play through the press. They're one of the best press resistant teams in the league. So we kind of played into their hands a bit, but we knew. But in to counter that, we knew we were going to play into their hands, and we had to be prepared for that. And at some periods we weren't, but we did kind of grow into the game, and we did end up taking control at times, and that has to be respected. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm really happy you actually mentioned that because it's one of those things where it's like, look, you have to remember that our our team is going through a bunch of physical limitations and a bunch of, like like Udogi, he's not been injured, but he's been playing 90 minutes every game pretty much. Mm-hmm. So that's one way he's fatigued. Saar uh, just came back from an international tournament. Madison Poro just came as well. back from injury. And the reason I mentioned those players is Poro as well. The reason I kind of mentioned those players specifically, though, is because they didn't, they weren't the ones that were under Jose and Conte. So I was like, it, it's not, it can't be coached. It can't be habit. It has to be another reason. And I'm really glad you brought that up because it's like, oh, boy, well, you go. There's the reason, right? These players, they're either just coming back from injury or they've had to fill in for an injury crisis. So they're playing every fucking game or they just came back from an international tournament, like, you know, some who had to sit on the bench. So it's, that's probably one of the reasons where, again, you're saying, oh, why was the performance so lackluster? It's like, look, these players are, or compl- it's like a second preseason. One of my some, someone I speak to last like, kind of referred to this period as like a second kind of preseason for us, where we're getting a lot of players back, and we have to kind of get them back up to speed again for a bunch of different reasons. Because we're gonna have more squad depth, we're gonna have um, players who are coming back from tournaments, injuries, all that stuff. So we have to kind of need them all together another time. And you can see why, it, like you said, it's a little bit ebb and flow because we're kind of giving it away, and we have to kind of understand each other a bit better again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's weird, isn't it? Like even in that game. There's still like combinations that we haven't seen together yet. Like, isn't that the first time we've seen Ben Corsar and Madison together? Like, is yeah. it like even um, we're halfway through the season? Like, and that's going to keep happening because we've had so many injuries throughout the season. So, like, there's still a, a kind of a, as that's what I'm saying. Like, Brighton have been together for so long. Yet, I know we're seven months into the project, we're still having players who haven't even played together yet. Like, kind of find find their rhythm with each other. And I'm not I'm not saying it's a massive excuse as to why um, you shouldn't be winning games or why it's or why you're playing badly but it's just a process you have to go through and the fact that we're still picking up points and wins I think is uh, uh, something to be lauded rather than you know something that oh we're not we're not you know as good as Man City or Liverpool or Arsenal well of course we're not why would we be at this stage but we're playing we're playing a Brighton side who have picked up 12 points in 12 games 12 points from 12 games all season they're not as good and as fluid as they were last season they're going through their own injury problems as well like they're not on good form. Like they've just got battered four 0 to Luton away from home. Um, in this calendar year, they've only beaten one side away from home, and that's Sheffield United. So I mean, we should be winning a game like this. And we did 100%. win. Yeah, we did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but the thing is, this is the thing, right? We if we continue to allow teams to come to our patch and dominate the way Brighton did, you know, we're not going to get away with last minute winners week in week out. This is where the dominance of you know, the cities, Liverpool's, and dare I say it as well, Arsenal after the few of their performances, that's the level that we need to get to. Yeah, we're not quite there yet. You're, you're all spot on, you know. We're, we're, we're a work in progress. We've had all the injuries. We've had the suspensions. We've had the AFCONs, the Asia Cups. So now it really is time to to push on and, and you know, start 
trying to kill games off. And that's what I want to see against Wolves. I really want to see us put them to bed. Um, you know, I would snap your hand off for, for two-goal lead by the 75th minute, for sure. And I think that's what Madison said after the game. You know, he said he's dying for just a comfortable 3-0 home win and and uh, not all this late drama all the time. And I think obviously that's what we want to get to, but that takes time. And it's not always oh, going to, especially with right. all the problems we've had. And I think anyone expecting us to be on the level of the top three of the fact that we're only five points away from them is incredible in my opinion like we like if if we were sitting here uh you know 10 points away or 15 points away i don't even think people would bat an eye because like that's probably where we should be but the fact that we're even close to them at this stage just shows what a good job Postacoglu was doing because we you know we were absolutely nowhere near them last season nowhere near we were miles away and now that gap is significantly closed which is amazing but here's the thing, Sim, right? The thing that's more important to me as a fan, it's not where we are, you know, in the league, if it's fourth, fifth or third at the moment. You know, to me, the, the, the exact position doesn't really matter at this stage. To me, what I'm looking at is the what Ange has actually done as he's come in here. The transformation of the club, the unity that he's brought within the fan. We were all divided a, a year ago. Levy in, Levy out, Enoch this, Enoch that. Everyone was all over the place. Everyone was arguing with everyone. And, and you know, he's just come in. And like a magician with a wand, he's come in. He's done his magic. And it's not just the first team, right, guys? I want to reiterate this. The, the, the under-21s, the under-18, everyone is on fire. This club is going places. We are building to, to really take this club to the next level. We have everything 100%. in place to take this club to the next level. We have all the facilities we have the best stadium in the world. We have all these business deals going on. It's just about adding to the squad, giving Ange what he wants and building on what we have and, and taking it game by game, really, lads. You know, we, we haven't got a, you know, a crazy schedule now. There's no cup competitions. We can just focus on the league, get to the summer, build and we see where we go next season. And, you know, the sky's the limit, we found. And also, just to touch on, in terms of people's complaints about, like, uh, how we played maybe against Brighton and maybe our recent form, like, as much as I'm positive about, in general, about the performance, maybe more positive than other people, I do realise, obviously, there were periods where we weren't doing the right things. And I think Ange knows that as well. I don't think Ange is coming out after the game and saying, oh, we deserved the win. It was a great performance. Like he said after, I don't know if he saw his interview, he was asked after the game, um, you know, now you have, you know, after a win like that, would it be better to just get back in the swing of things in a midweek game and, and, and um, build on that momentum? Or is it good that you have like a free week? And he said, after that performance, we're going to need a week. That's what he said. Yeah. So clearly yeah. he's not happy with the performance. Clearly he wants better. But um, so I think Ange is aware that this team is you know, still a work in progress and we need more time and, 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 and we need all of that. So as much as I'm positive about it, I still know that there are flaws definitely in that performance and we need to improve on it. But I think oh. there are definitely more reasons to be positive about it than, than negative. Oh, why, why, do you, why do you think that keeps happening though? Because like the last two home games now, our first halves have been just completely lackluster. You look at the Brentford game and now you look at the Brighton game. Like, why does this keep happening at home? It's a difficult, difficult, difficult one to answer. Uh, teams obviously come prepared for you, and they, you know, maybe teams are starting. I wouldn't say working us out, but you know, they're going to be more aware of how we play. They're going to be. We're, 
we're co- we're definitely coming like a set way. Teams know how we're going to set up now, and they're getting more used to it. They're planning for it, and maybe it just takes some adjusting to during the game. Um, it, I don't think it's just now. I mean, if you remember, like the, the beginning of the season in that game, in that in that ten game run, like, I remember Man United at home. Like first half, we were definitely second best, and we could have been behind in that first half. We turned it around. It's all it's all about how Anne sees things, how he makes little tweaks and changes to gain control of the game. So sometimes we can get it from the start, but recently it just hasn't been that way. But it's hard to put your finger on why exactly what has changed. We need to be starting games quicker. I think we're trying to. It's usually what happens, I find, is like we have like a very quick like five to ten minutes at the beginning of the game, then the opposition take control. And then that happened seemed, at Brentford at Everton. And, and it didn't then, really happen at Brighton, though. Um, yeah, it didn't really happen too much at Brighton. But yeah. I don't know. It's hard, it's hard to put your finger on why exactly we're struggling at the moment in first halves. But it seems to be something that is definitely a bit of an issue. Ange does seem to be rectifying it at half time, which is positive. Mm. But obviously, we can't be giving the opposition 45 minutes. Although, what I would say is against Brighton... Those last fifteen minutes of the half, we were definitely on top, and yeah, we could have we could have equalised easily in those last fifteen minutes. All right, well, let's move on and let's talk about Rodrigo Bentancur now, because I'm seeing a lot of ridiculous comments from sections of the Spurs fan base saying, "Sell Bentancur this, Bentancur's crap now." I mean, he's come back from two serious injuries, and yes, his form has dropped off. But uh, we'll start off with you, Ariane. Is is it worrying uh, the form for Bentancur at the moment? I mean, this is a guy who's clearly playing through an ankle injury. As we were, we were quoted two and a half plus months, right? And this guy came back in three weeks. I wasn't even happy to see him on the team. She when he came back, so I was like, <laughs> and for for some reason, that, that's that's the one game he actually played incredibly in. But then after that, he's clearly been off the pace, and you can tell it's a lot like Richarlison and his groin injury. It's it's exactly like that. Look, this is this is a guy who's just not the same player as uh, he was because he's he's playing through pain, and uh, you can tell this guy's reluctant. This is a reluctant Ben Tankor. That's what it is. He's he's always reluctant to go in for a challenge, and that's kind of where you can see his um his drop off because this guy this guy was going he he was a dual monster, and in the second half of this game, at the Brighton game, I think he actually played incredibly because that was the one time again where it felt like he had a bit of confidence back yeah i'm gonna get this 50 50 i'm gonna get this but throughout the games he's every time he goes into a duel you can see there's a bit of doubt in the back of his mind and that's because of his injuries playing through it i think he needs rest i have no doubt in his talent i have no doubt in his ability i have no doubt in the fact that he's going to come back he's clearly hurt and it's just that simple there's no reason to make it anything other than that yeah, I completely agree. And I, I agree with you what you're saying in the second half as well, because he got taken off just as he was like growing into the game as well, didn't he? Um, at the at the period of time he went off in the game. But Amir, um, what's your thoughts on Ben Tanko? Are you worried about the level of his performance at the moment or just not really at all? Look, we all know that he's not, you know, at his prime at the moment, coming back off those terrible, horrible injuries, you know, Cash, I'll never forgive him, you know, what a dirty player. Um <laughs> But for me, the, the the only real worry is, you know, when are we going to see that Bentancor again that we had before the, the first injury? You know, if you look back to that year, I think he was our best, not just best midfielder, but probably the best player in our team, uh, to be honest with you. So all, all these fans that are talking about, you know, getting rid or selling up or, uh, you know, I, I don't know what they're talking about. He's going to be a key player for us going forward. Um, and I think, you know, 
the way Ange doesn't really see, but he doesn't really like to see those positions, six, eight, you know, he said to get out of that mindset. So we need as many high quality midfielders as possible to be battling for those positions. So when you see, you know, when everyone's fit and you've got Madison, Basuma, Bentancourt, uh, La Celso, Saar, you know, you're really looking at a really, really strong midfield. So I'm just, I'm hoping he'll get back to, you know, his full fitness. It might maybe take him a couple more games. If it takes a little rest at Wolves, why not? You know, play Basuma up. Give, give uh, what we saw in the beginning of the season. Give Basuma, Sarah and Madison the reins and let them go at it and let Lolo get to, you know, let him let him recover properly. Yeah, I mean, there, there were worrying signs in that. You know, the last couple of games, the Everton game at Goodison Park, I thought he was shocking. First, first half. half. First half against Brighton, you know, giving the ball away in the edge of the area. Um, really uncharacteristic mistakes from Rodrigo Bentancur in these yeah. games. And I would be worrying if we didn't have Eve Basuma coming back now. With the what Eve Basuma showed in that second half when he came on, I thought he looked brilliant. To be honest, not maybe uh, on the offensive part of his game, but definitely the defensive part. The amount of interceptions he made after he came on, so I would be worrying about Bentancur. But now we got Basuma back in the team. I think uh, it gives the opportunity to Bentancur to really get back to full fitness. Yeah, I completely agree. Go on, go on, Amir. No, no, I'm just saying, yeah, give him a break. That's it. Simple as that. If he needs the time, if you play, a, if you've brought a player back a little bit too early and he's not at full fitness. Let him get to full fitness and then let him go at it. And like Ben said, you've got Basuma there. Yeah, and you got to remember, like, he came, as you say, he came back early from his second injury. you got to remember, this guy's recovering from two injuries. And the fact that he looked so good coming back from the ACL against Villa was a credit to him rather than something that should be expected. No one should have expected him to look so good when he first came back. And he clearly worked very, very hard. People, you know, they said... Um, when in that little documentary they they did about him coming back from that injury, that he was doing extra training sessions, like on top of what he had to do. So no, he didn't just want to come back from injury from that ACL. He wanted to come back in his best form. And I think we all can um, say in those first 25 minutes, he definitely did that um, against Villa. And what was really unfortunate is he picked up a second injury and now he's recovering from that. And now he's rushing back from that second injury. And I don't know whether um, he kind of did the things necessary to come back from that second injury in his best form like he did from the first one because he was rushing back we had lack of options he felt that responsibility from the team and to be fair to him he did he was rushed back but he did really help us at the beginning you know I thought against Burnley in the cup he played really well he obviously scored against Man United in what was a really good performance man the match display um so he did he like yes we rushed him back but he he obviously was contributing to the team. Now it's a case of he's definitely struggling a bit physically. I think we can see that. He's clearly half a second off it. There are times against Brighton where, you know, Bentacorn of old would release the ball a lot quicker, would have been a lot stronger in the ball, wouldn't have lost the ball in certain situations. The, for the penalty, for example, you can see there was like a, a slight, there was a half a second opportunity where he could have like released the ball to Kulisevsky very quickly. He just hang on to it for half a second too long, lost the ball, and obviously we end, ended up giving away a penalty. And those little seconds matter at such a high level of football, especially against a very good pressing team like Brighton. So... When you're when he's being rushed back from this second injury, this ankle injury, and um, he's clearly struggling um, with the kind of rhythm and stuff like that, it's it's understandable um, why we're seeing this level of performance. For me, 
I think he was poor in the first half against Brian. There were still some good things there, which people won't acknowledge because of the, you know, when he gives the ball away in bad situations, that sticks in your mind. But there were some good things he did. And especially in the second half, I thought he was uh, growing into the game a bit more and looking more confident before he got taken off. So I do think, give him a few weeks. I definitely think he should probably come out of the team just for himself. I think maybe when he's coming on against tired legs, against um, when he can maybe start to dominate physically rather than against fresher players who are maybe up for the challenge a bit more, maybe that can help build his confidence back and he can start getting to those levels again. Ali Gold said recently in a video that the medical staff believe that we're probably not going to see the very best of Benton Core again till next season rather than this season, which to be fair is common practice for um, you know ACL injuries. We've seen it so many times with players when they come back from that injury they're not the same player for a for a bit for quite a while before they have they have time to rebuild themselves so it wouldn't be a massive surprise which is even more of a surprise why he looks so good against Villa because no one really expected that so I'm not worried about his form it's just it's just obviously a shame when you know such a good player how good he can be and then you see him putting in these performances on the pitch where he's just not up to how good we know he can be it's sad to see to be honest because we know how amazing he is and that when he's in his top form he can be one of the best centre mids in the Premier League when he's at his very very best so when he's losing the ball in certain situations he's doing that I can understand some people, some players, some fans looking at that and thinking, "Oh, he's off it." And some, and let's be honest, in this day and age, fans are just impatient. They kind of have this belief, like if he's playing and he's being picked by the manager, he should be ready to play. He should be a hundred percent. He should be completely fully fit. So if he's putting in these performances, it, w- it, sh- it wouldn't be because of a fitness issue or anything else, because he's being picked to play. So he should be a hundred percent fit and he should be ready to play if he's being picked. But we all know. Um, that there's other circumstances surrounding that. Is obviously he was rushed back because we had a lack of options. So I, I understand that. I'm willing to be a bit more patient to see the best out of him. And I think we will do it. It's just not happening right now. So I'm not concerned about ever seeing the best of him. It's just a shame that right now we're not seeing the best of him. Do you feel like that then we rush? Obviously, we have rushed him back that he shouldn't have been starting all these games consecutively, and maybe we should have played a skip or a Hoybier consecutively in the number six just to ease him back in a bit. Maybe, um, as I say, when he first came back in, I actually thought he looked quite good against Burnley Man United. I thought maybe he had two good games, too many games too soon, maybe, uh, but that's. That's the uh, staff's decision. Maybe they feel like a, an eighty percent Bentancor is better than a hundred percent skip. I don't know. Um, that's maybe that's maybe the decision they took. But I also think that. yeah, so maybe I mean maybe um, I think should I think Bentancor is obviously a better fit for what how what we try to do than a Hoybier or skip. We I think we all know that. Do is was it a mistake to maybe put him in? The fact that we took him off at half time against Brentford and then we took him off after fifty five minutes against Brighton would suggest that maybe it was a bit of a mistake to be starting him in this game when he maybe he's not completely ready. It, he does keep persisting with it, but we again we haven't had that many options uh, in terms of players who we can trust to play the way we want to. Um, so maybe he feels like it's better to play him for an hour or 45 minutes than uh, to play Hoybier Skip. I don't know if I agree with that decision, but he's gone with it. Um, I don't know. Maybe he's been really good in training and he looks like 100% fit and he looks ready to play and then he comes to the game and he isn't quite on it. So it's hard to completely criticise, but definitely at the moment, for me in the next game, not for like a punitive reason because I think he's been like terrible. I just think... He needs to. He he just needs to build his way back into the team. And Basuma's now ready to play. 
We know he can play the system. We have Saar there now playing in the eight as well, who looks great uh, since coming back. So I don't think there's any reason to kind of rush him back into the first 11. Maybe there were reasons before because Basuma wasn't 100% fit. We didn't really like how Hoybier and Skip were fitting in the team. So we maybe we feel like we needed Bentancur in there. I think now with Saar back, Basuma back, there's no real reason to kind of rush him back in just to, ha just to have a player there who can play the system because we have players available. So I think get him on the bench for the for the Wolves game, bring him on with like 20 minutes to go against tired legs. And I think that'll be the best way forward. 100%. It's a great option to have, isn't it? To have two classy players like that for the six in Bissouma, Bentancor, maybe even bring Bentancor as a number eight or something later on in games because, you know, Papesar with the way he kind of exerts energy energy towards the game. To have someone like that on the bench that you're able to bring on is going to be absolutely insane. And Bissouma coming back, I don't know what you guys thought about Bissouma, but I just thought he was a breath of fresh air when he came on and those interceptions that he was making in the middle of the park. He came on uh, with a bit of an aura about him. I don't know what you thought, Ariane. I thought he was excellent. I mean, he was exactly what we needed. And I think that was kind of part of his game that, Maybe not that it was bad, but I think even before, like when he was in his outstanding form at the beginning of the season, like his defensive side to me looked a little bit lackluster. But I think he looked his defensive best <coughs> against Brighton, his defensive best all in his first shirt ever. I think he was outstanding interceptions, like you said, one v one. Yeah, I think his dribbling and his you know kind of passing range was not quite where it was in the mm. beginning but i think you know he more than made up for it and just how good he was i think he brought the solidity that we really needed to end up you know, we ended up winning that uh game and i think he had everything to do with it in the end you know obviously he was also there for the moments where we were a little bit poor but i think if without him it's a completely different game we might have gotten suffocated out of the game and i think he was part of the reason that we were able to get out of those periods where brighton were dominant he was outstanding he was absolutely and he, i think he bought himself that starting spot against wolves yeah completely agree agree uh I um, Amir? Yeah, yeah, fully. He came on, he did a job, you know. He He's a player that I really, 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 really want to see get back to his best because if we think back to those first 10 games, how good he was, you know, he was man of the match in, in maybe 60, 70% of them, I'd say. He was fantastic. So if we can get him back to that level and he can cut out all the, you know, I'd call it silliness, you know, the, the diving and the, the red cards and stuff like that out of his game for the rest of the season, you know, we're, we're on to a huge winner in, in Yves Basuma. Um, I think his talents on the ball and the things that he can do, the way he can hold off players and, and just dribble out of two or three players, it's something that, you know, none of the other midfielders can really do. Um, so if we get him fit and firing, Back to his best, I think he's going to be a huge asset for us uh, running in. Um, I just hope that, you know, he does get his shot against Wolves because, you know, like we were saying, Ben Tancor, give him a rest, let him recover, let him get back to his best, give Eves a shot uh, and let's see how we do. I really want to see that midfield of Bissouma, Saar, Madison, how it was. Uh, back to the OG team. midfield, yeah, Amir? Yeah, yeah, I really want to see it. I really want to see it. I think, you know, the way they were linking up in those first 10 games, we were unbeaten, guys, come on, you know? Like, it was it was fantastic. And just, you know, Sim, you were saying earlier about you couldn't put your finger on, you know, what we were lacking in those few games. I... I you know, we've got Sonny back. Son is back, guys. You know, like, our captain is back. So, you know, you're looking at all that. Besuma, Sonny back. Come on. We're going to have a good run in, guys. 
for sure. All right. Well, let's, uh, that, that brings us on nicely to the next uh, chapter of the panel. We're going to talk about our hopes for top four and how many wins do you guys think we need to secure that top four spot? And also, do you think that we are favourites for the top four now? We are a point above Aston Villa, 14 games left to play in the Premier League this season. Take it away, Ariane. I've never been, I've never taken Aston Villa seriously the entire season. I haven't taken them seriously whatsoever. Uh, they're going to fall. Do you think United are more of a threat to us than, than Villa? I bet my friend a hundred bucks that they're going to finish seventh or below. I've taken, and that, that was before they lost Sheffield United. That's how far ago. I, I, I've never taken them seriously. They're they were, 10 they points away from seventh. Of, uh, Conte ball. I don't care. I'll bet. I'll, I'll double, I'll double down. I'll double down. If he asks me right now, I, I serious. And, and since I've made that bet, I think, I think the second I made that bet was when they completely, the wheels fell off and they've had one win in seven and it was against this terrible Sheffield United side. Uh, besides that, they, they, like I said, one win in seven, that's atrocious form. Um, and one of the most important players just got an ACL injury. They're not serious whatsoever. Uh, Man United, I think, are <laughs> lackluster. They're, they're decent. They're ab. They're not. None of the teams below us have a chance for top four. I'm more than confident. I would bet anything you ask me that Spurs are going to finish top four. I'm super confident. I, I think um, I'm more hopeful that we get third. I'm not even worried. I'm not even sweating about top four. Not even sweat. I'm, I'm kind of more looking at that third place saying, mm, can we sneak in there? So how many more wins then to secure it? Third place, I think um, it kind of depends on Arsenal. And one thing that's interesting about Arsenal, Amir, you were saying, oh, well, they, you know, one thing they have is that killer instinct and they, they bring them in 2 0 down and it's over. Uh, Arsenal, before the 90th minute, have been 2 0 up this season before the 90th minute, six times, two or more up before the 90th minute, mm. six times. Spurs have been two or more up before the 90th minute, also six times. And we've had way worse injuries. You know, just way more problems. We have a new manager. We spent about a fraction of the money. So in terms of, you know, how good we are putting teams to bed, it's, and, you know, Arsenal are scoring last-minute winners against Luton Town. Oh, they are. So, they and, are. Yeah. Ariane, Ariane, and I hear that. I hear that. Honestly, you know, you've got to look at the mitigating factors, right? And I, and I, I see that. But, you know, the way we were putting Burnley to bed earlier on in the season... That's what I want to see now. Right. Do, you, do you see what I'm saying? When we're, when we're, when we're losing a goal at, at Goodison Park and we're getting a last-minute winner, that's all, you know, it's part of the part of the puzzle. But I want to see us. That's why I'm really looking forward to Wolves and Palace at yeah. home, you know? I think it's two games where we can get back to that and we can do that and we can put yeah. these teams to bed. So, you know, I'm really hoping that we do get Absolutely. Back. And I wasn't trying to say that to knock on you. I was trying to say that to say, look, Arsenal are five points above us. A yep. lot of that has to do with one spell where we lost like three or four key players. We didn't win True. in five games. True. If that didn't happen, I, I'm, I am more than – if that didn't happen, I think we'd still be in first place, let alone third and second. Um, but we're five points below, uh, below Arsenal. I think we've got more than a shot. I think we're a better team than them, especially when we're, when we're on it than they are. I don't, they don't impress me this season at all. Um, I'm, a I'm much more looking at that, uh, third place spot than I am at fourth. Cause I, I think fourth is more than in the bag. I don't think any of the teams below us have, you know, even the faintest hope. The closest team is Aston Villa, which I think says pretty much everything that needs to be said about how 
not close this race is because Aston Villa have been shambolic in the past seven games, and yet they are here only one point below it. Man United have been shit all of rest season last like the rest of the season, and now they're they found a little bit of form. Newcastle are kind of getting a little bit more lively again, but I think it's uh, it's too little, too late for for fourth. They could all battle out for Europa League as far you know for all I care, um, but. I think the Champions League teams, they're decided already by February 13th. And I think it's just a bit of a, you know, who's going to win the title, who's going to be third. And I think, I, I honestly, I would say Spurs are going to finish third. But I, I, I don't even know how many games are left. I, it's 14. 14. I would agree with you, Ariane, in terms of that we have been playing better than Arsenal for the majority of this season. But I just feel like that period from Chelsea till whenever we started winning games again just might have just um done it in terms of us finishing above arsenal because i, I look at them with them being five points ahead of us and looking at their fixtures as well i just don't know where we make those five points up because they're they're starting to come into form again now and you know they're winning six nil they're beating liverpool they're uh they're turning out some really good results at the moment they gotta come to the lane though they do have to come to the lane uh in yeah. the latter stage of the season but and I'm Apart gonna, from, look at their next five I'm, games, for example. Burnley away, Newcastle at home, Sheffield United away, Brentford at home, and Chelsea at home. That looks like five wins to me. Nah, come off it, man. It does. No, I'm telling you. No. Who, who, are they, who are they dropping points to in that run? All of them. Dropping points? <laughs> All of them. <laughs> <laughs> who? But I think, I think if you look at... Well, look, I also think it's, they, they drop points to a 10-man Fulham. They almost dropped points in Nottingham Forest. Uh, and in the, like, I'm going to go from the old beginning of the season. They, there's a lot of games where they've skimmed through the points that they've gotten, and they're in a run of as is us. Form, and I understand why I'm saying that. They've won. as of we, but we've had an injury crisis. Uh, they haven't. They've spent a lot more money, and the ga- the games that they're winning. They are winning against an under-pressure uh, Moyes. They're winning against a very much, how is he not sacked, Roy Hodgson. Uh, a, a Liverpool that Klopp has just announced he's going to leave. We we all knew that was going to get just show up, have a, a very low-energy Liverpool. And, you know, because... Nah, come on, man. Liverpool I think that's the opposite. Brilliant. Liverpool that's the, brilliant why, why would that mean there's low energy? Because no, he's I, leaving. I, I, genu- I don't think so. I don't think Because... Because look, you're, uh, some people can think it's this, some people think it's that. For me, I thought it's the weirdest decision for a coach to say, "Hey, I'm going to leave at the end of the season." Because some people say, "Oh, now you're going to fight for him, you're going to die for him," because this is the last time you're going to see him. The way Klopp coaches, the way he operates, he has to be a coach that you know is you'd run through a brick wall for. Me personally, I am not running through a, I'm not running through a tinfoil wall for a coach that's going to leave in, in six months. Me personally, because no, but he's a club legend. He's a legend. It's like Pochettino. Oh, I don't care. But why? But the way the way the players have to put their bodies on the line, their the way the amount of trust you have to have in a coach like that, and also what it means for their future and everything. I don't. I think that Liverpool side is going to suffer, and we're going to see not only through this result, we're going to see in all of their other results. And I'm going to be proven right in the in the next few weeks and months. You'll see Liverpool are going to drop off massively. They're not winning this title. They might be the ones to drop all the way to fourth if we end up finishing third. I think that's how bad it could be. 
that is that, that is the fall off they're going to experience. I think maybe they they might go decently far in some cups, but I don't think they're going to. It's it's going to it's going to make them suffer in the. I think it's going to make them suffer in the league big time because in a cup I can understand why that energy would be useful. Where look, it's it's the coach's last cup. We got to go in. We got to win this cup for him. Champions League, Carabao, whatever the hell they're still in. I don't I don't keep track of Liverpool, but um, oh they're not even in the Champions League. They're in the Europa League. Um, I completely disagree. Is, I think Liverpool are weak. I think the points that they have gotten in the past games are weak, and. They're, some of the points they've dropped are, are to some pretty mediocre teams. They almost dropped points to Luton Town, by the way, where they conceded three goals. Uh, they And they haven't been putting any of these teams to bed. Wolves, they only won by one. Uh, Villa, they lost. Brighton are one of the only teams they've won. They lost to West Ham a couple weeks ago, right? They uh, Not a couple weeks ago, a month ago, a couple months ago. But um, they, they've dropped points on very bad sides. I'm not saying they're going to drop points to Burnley and Chelsea United because those are some of the worst teams in the league. But Newcastle, they could drop points to. Brentford, they could easily drop points to. Chelsea, they could easily drop points to. Right after that, they've got Man City, they could easily drop points to. Brighton, away, they've got um, uh, that they could drop points to. And then only a couple of games after that, they have the link. And they have they have some tough games coming out of them. And, you know, as do we. And we have some easy ones as well. Let's look at our own fixtures. We have Wolves, and then I actually don't know what, what comes right after. But if you look at you can't look at one team's fixtures. We have, it's uh, Wolves and Wolves, Palace. And then we have Chelsea. But then we have Palace. We have Villa. We have Okay, Wolves and then yeah, Wolves Palace, then Villa, I think, are shit, like I've said. Then Fulham, then Luton, then West Ham, then Forest. It, those were also pretty easy teams. The only one, the only difficult one. Oh, wait, no, Chelsea got postponed. I forgot about that. So there you go. We have like five that I think we're going to win all five of those too. Uh, and it was one, two, three, four, five, six. I think we can six, seven in a row. Seven, I think we have wins in a row. I don't think Arsenal have seven wins in a row. I don't think they I don't even think, have four. I, don't, I, think, um, seven. I think we win our next two games. I don't think we win at Villa Park. I really don't. That's um, the key one for me, Ben. That's well, the key match. Yeah, it is a key match uh, in terms of the top four if race, but I don't goals. think we win there. Our, you got to remember, our away form, our away form is not good at the moment, Ariane. Yeah, really Ariane, I'm, I'm well, loving the confidence, Ariane. I'd love to take seven from seven, mate. But some of these away days, you know what I mean? You, you, you're on the road. You go up to places like Goodison Park, Villa Park. It's they're very tricky destinations to go. I mean. With Sonny back, though, and with the players that we have back, you know, we're going to put up a mighty fight. That's for sure. But We were unbeaten in 10. West Ham ain't even a given to win, Ariane. West Ham, you know how they turn up against Spurs every single year. You know what I mean? I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Like they could be bottom of the league, losing ten nil every week, and they'll turn into prime Barcelona when we play. Them. That Lanzini oh. goal is still in my bloody brain. Oh, stop it! I agree about Ariane about Villa, though. I do think I don't know about finishing seventh because I just think they've built so much of a lead. I don't like. I don't see Newcastle, West Ham. Uh, maybe Brighton, but they're in Europa League as well. I don't see other teams just being that consistent to overtake them. So I do think they'll probably still finish in the top six. But I think I do see shades of like, I think for Villa, 
when it's going well it's like when it is i think it's very similar to us under conte when it's going well it's good but once things start to turn once there's a drop-off i think you might see start to get a lot of frustrated villa fans in my opinion because you look at the football they play it's really great when it's working very intense so aggressive they overwhelm the opposition but then when fit when their intensity drops off a bit when they're all of a sudden when they come up against a team who um you know very solid defensively who are make it hard for them to break down they run out of ideas very very quickly they have a very very much a lack of creativity they're relying on they only play two attacking players pretty much every game Watkins and Bailey imagine uh, turning up and watching that and being excited about it it's really great when you've got McGinn pressing and you've got Louise and Kamara just overwhelming with the press and when you're hounding the opposition but once you come up against a team that can deal with that all of a sudden it looks actually stale it looks very stale very very quickly and yeah and and Kamara's obviously out he's a big player for them um obviously when they're playing people like Longley as well all of a sudden there are gaps in that back four which can definitely be uh targeted and I think um their home form was really great for the first you know half of the season but since they beat um since they beat Arsenal at home I think they've won one game in five they've won one game this calendar year they've won one game and even the game they did win it was Burnley at home when they got extremely lucky they got a last minute penalty which wasn't a penalty Um, no, I'm saying the home games, oh, the home, home games. games. They beat Burnley at home and their last home win, which was extremely lucky, uh, which they shouldn't have won that game. They've just lost 3-1 at home Shit. to Newcastle. They got absolutely battered by Chelsea at home as well recently. And at least with Tottenham, right? If we have players who are out, for example, if Johnson's out of form, you bring in Kulisevsky, they can change things up a bit. You know, you've got Werner or Son now, Richarlison. Um, if Richarlison drops out of form, we can put Son back up front. We have options. For Villa, it's like, they have Leon Bailey. If he's out of form, they they don't really have. They have like Diaby. That's it. If they have, they have to rely on Watkins, but they don't have many options. They're they're very much reliant on a very few players staying in form. They've still got Europe, European football as well, and I think. Una Emery is known for this, by the way. It's happened in every single club he's been at. He 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 um he focuses on the cups every for every team. And it happened at Villarreal. It happened at Sevilla. He has a very strong start to the league season. But once the cups start kicking in late in the season, there's always a massive drop off. Pretty in the league. Sure it happened at Arsenal, well. Arsenal as well. They were very close to top four, but he prioritised Europa League, and they had a massive drop off in the league and ended up dropping out the and top then they four. Got battered in the final. Um, I oh, think yeah. this. I think Una Emery this is a very much. A, uh, a trend with him where they have a massive drop-off in the league uh, late in the season. They end up falling away a bit and they rely on the Cups. And to be fair to him, they do end up usually winning the Cups. And I don't, I wouldn't be surprised if they end up winning the Conference League. But I think it will be the detriment to their league form. And I think we're going to end up uh, finishing quite a way away from them. I agree. I completely agree with that. We are finishing above Villa uh, comfortably this season. I don't disagree. I was talking about the Spurs against Arsenal and it's going to be very difficult to finish above them. But when I'm looking at that Villa Park game, it's still going to be incredibly difficult and of course it's, it it's going to be our most difficult game over the next six or seven games I'm not saying we're guaranteed to win but I wouldn't be surprised if we do win that game I think I, I believe um, it could be sandwiched I believe in between two conference league games is when we play I, I, I'm not 100% sure on that I did hear that somewhere it's sandwiched in between two conference league games which I don't think they're going to rest players for that even if they do they, they don't have that many players to rest so they have acquired a, 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 a small squad so and then look at their home form recently they're nowhere near the home f- team they were uh beginning of the season so i'm sure they're going to bring their a game i saw them against man united they definitely should have won that game but they came up second best um 
But if those things keep happening, their belief is going to start to wane a bit, which I think that is the main thing which was getting them through. I think they what, they won like 14 wins at home in a row. They were unbelievable, but it's because they have full of belief. But once they started losing a few results, they drew at home to Sheffield United. They lost at home to Newcastle. They lost at home to Man United now. They got battered by Chelsea. So I think that belief is starting to drop away. And at least with Spurs... Um, we have this way of playing of this attacking football where even, even against Brian, you saw when we're second best, we can still put a move together and get that goal. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if Brian and Villa have that in them because their football relies so much on intensity and, and aggression. It's not reliant on, um, you know, patterns like f- intricate football like Spurs is. So I'd, I think... I do see shades of content that Ariane was saying. I think when it's good, it's brilliant. But when, when things start to go against you, it's hard to pull that back together. So do you think Man United are more of a threat than Aston Villa? Um, do I think Man United... I just... I'm not convinced by them either. I think they're just as bad, to be honest. Because even in their, their... As Ariane was saying, they're building a bit of momentum. But even in those games, they gave up a 3-1 lead to, to Wolves where they were looking good and in the lead and they gave that up. Against Villa... They won, but they were very much second best in that game. They were very, very lucky to win. Um, Villa, you know, uh, missed a host of chances. So even in this good good period for United, I'm still seeing a lot of inconsistency. I, I don't believe they're going to have the consistency to exactly. last a distance. But are they more of a threat than Villa? Well, considering they got one game a week um, and they're, you know, they're putting a bit of a team together, I probably would say... Um, I think it's between. I think Villa and United are going to foul out for fifth place. To be honest, I think we're going to be well clear of both of them. But I wouldn't be surprised. I reckon United will end up finishing above Villa. I, I actually think that. Yeah, I don't really think that. I think what Ariane says: the top four that you see now is going to be the top four come the end of the season. I can't see anyone else breaking into that top four spot. Just looking further up the table, I think it's going to be incredibly difficult to get further. I think fourth is where we're going to end up come the end of the season and if you look at back onto that Villa Park game if we win the two games before it and the two games after it I think a draw is a good result at Villa Park I don't know what you're thinking Ariane uh I think I would I was gonna make a bet with you I was gonna say if we don't win by a minimum of two goals I could even say three goals you're a betting man Ariane three goals (laughs) I can wager I can wager whatever you would like on that one but what's um, the bet? Sorry, say again. That's I can wager. You know, uh, you can pick the lead, two or three goals, and then you can wager whatever amount you want on it. If, if well, we at Villa Park, two or three goals at Villa Park. Two, we'll say three. At Villa Park. At Villa Park. Yeah, absolutely. I think we're. Gonna you think we're gonna? Them. You think we're gonna even, win by three goals home, at Villa Park? The home game, the home game that we lost two one before yeah. the game. I said four one. And if you look at that game, of course we did not win. But given the chances we missed, we could have easily won six one, let alone four. Hundred percent. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, the, the chances we missed. But we're a different animal at home than we are away well, from and home. This is an inferior Villa side. I, I, I think honestly, the reason for that has been because Madison has been injured, and when Madison was fit at his best, I think we all remember it was kind of funny. He was way better away. Spurs were better away from home. Spurs were much better away from home in the first ten games, if you remember properly. And that's the squad we're getting back. That's the squad we're getting back. I think we're going to play better. This is a worse Villa side that we're going to be playing against a better Spurs side that they were playing. So it's going to be an even 
better performance than one we put where we deserve to win four or five, six, one. And I think we're going to win by a minimum of three goals. I genuinely believe that. And I wanted to ask you a question. Look, we have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven games. Wolves, Crystal Palace, Villa, Fulham, Luton, West Ham, Forest. How many wins? Um, what's the last game that you're going Fo to? The Forest game. Three, uh, one, two, yeah. three, four, five, six. I'll go. I'll go a minimum of five, a maximum of six. A maximum of six. I'd say a minimum of a six, a maximum of seven. And that's if we draw. If we draw one by some dodgy penalty. Or you really think we're going to go seven games in a row now, winning? Absolutely. 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 I mean, I'd absolutely bite your hand no, off for it, obviously. But I don't know. I just can't <laughs> see it. I just can't see it right and now. Here's a question. You know, obviously we have this run in April, right? Um, Newcastle away, City at home, Arsenal at home, and then Liverpool away when it comes to April. That's in. Um, and then also probably Chelsea away going to be sandwiched in there as well. That's in how many games time? One. Is that what you're going to until the run in April? One, uh, two, three, no. four, five, six, seven. That's in seven games time, yeah. right? That run. Yeah. There you go. Uh, how close do we have to be to like Arsenal to still be in with a chance of finishing above them come that run? Do you think, or do you do you think going into that run, we can still pick up points going into that really difficult run? Uh, well, I think that's going to be the run that's going to decide a lot of things, and it's not going to just be third. I think it, I think the entirety of the structure of that top four, from fourth to the title, is entirely contingent on those games entirely like for arsenal for city for liverpool all of their results are also contingent on that run of games mm. so for spurs that's the difference between finishing fourth third second and dare i say first dare i say first <laughs> that is the, that is the difference. That, that run of games that run of games is the so, so, do, do, so do you so, not do you not believe do you not I believe we have to be above Arsenal by that point to have a realistic chance of finishing above them? Above them, I think if we're maybe right below them or something, because uh, we play them in that run. So I think again that could be one where it's like kind of like the Conte season where we ended up finishing fourth. So we need to be within. You would say we have to be within one or two points by of them. You would say by that run to have a realistic chance. Within three, call it three. Yeah. Ariane, how, how how many points are we getting off uh, Newcastle away, Man City at home, Arsenal at home, Liverpool away? <laughs> <laughs> That's another four wins, baby. <laughs> <laughs> so, mate, we're, we're winning every game from now until the end of the season, right? We're winning, we're winning everything. We're winning the league. May as well come out and say it. That's it, Ariad. We're winning the league, yeah. I'm, I'm, you're not gonna if if look. I'm not gonna be the one to say we're not gonna win the league. I'm not gonna be the one to say that either. Seven points away. Look, look. If 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 we if we if we do an Ariane, I'm gonna call it doing an Ariane now. If we do seven from seven in the next, what is it, month and a half coming up? Yeah. Yeah. Then. I think you know we'll we'll obviously be talking about any position within that that top four. You know what, what we, we could, exactly we could. What I'm but 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 here's the thing, Arian. Here's the thing. Have Spurs shown me enough to have that belief? 
not quite yet. Like when Ben said five from seven, that's where I'm at, to be honest. That's where, you know, five from seven and maybe, you know, if we can sneak a win at Villa Park, obviously lovely, but... Sneak a win at Villa Park? Uh, oh, we can definitely <laughs> win at Villa Park, Ariane. We can definitely win at Villa Park. But I'm saying all those seven games, you know, if we if we were to come out, even six from seven, you know, I, I think that would be amazing. Um, and I do think that, you know, we we should be looking up and not looking down. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. We should be looking at Arsenal. We we don't we shouldn't be worrying about Villa. We shouldn't be thinking about United. Um, they're just they're just not relevant for 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 what we're trying to do at the moment. So yeah, we just take it game by game. Focus. I do think there's so many positives there to take. You know, with the players that we got back. Sonny in that team, I mean, guys, we saw what an impact he made as soon as he came on. It just looks like a different team. That left is just, you know, every time that guy gets on the ball, you're just thinking something's going to happen here. It's going to do, do pull off some magic. So, you know, we've got 14 games left. Let's get that magic going. Let's see where we are after these next seven. And I hope I'm sat here saying we've done an Ariane because that would be... <laughs> so quick, so, so quick prediction, Amir. Our 14 games, how many wins are we getting? <sighs> Out of 14? Yeah. Nine. Nine wins. That should that would be... That should be enough for that'll be well enough for top four. That'll put us on like seventy five points. So hang on, you're saying we're gonna get five out of seven, and then during the Newcastle Arsenal and all that run, we're gonna get another two four? wins. Two wins. No, because no, because yeah. we've got Burnley and Sheffield United last two yeah. games. Yeah, uh, possible. Okay, so you're saying last two. So we two that's two wins of, there. That's two wins. Yeah. Burnley Sheffield United. Cool. I mean, anything um, above that, anything above that nine is unbelievable for me to be honest with you if we go into the realms of 10 11 wins 12 wins that's that's going to be even pushing on for that so that. nine nine wins is 74 yeah, points that'll be our best points total probably since uh 17 18 i would say i think ariane probably thinks we're going to get 15 wins out of our next 14 games all my thunder man put your money on that bet put your money on that on, what, are you, what are you thinking ariane how many how many how many wins are we getting out of the last 14 um, 15 <laughs> 16 uh, I'll go with um, oh, 10 10 or 10 10, mm-hmm. 10. I'll stick with 10 I'll be 10, conservative I'll hold 70, 77 points will that be enough for third I don't know that's uh, 77 points that means Arsenal would would need to get uh, 25 another 25 points which is uh, how many how many wins nah. is that Divided by, uh, <laughs> that's they are asking you to win in another eight games to uh, get that total. What are you saying? How many wins? Eight, eight, eight yeah. out of fourteen. Eight. So we're so we're dropping in six games. We'll drop six games. You got draws in there as well. We've been notoriously big at drawing away from home this season. So I think um, eight. Look, look in the next seven games. When I said we're gonna get seven out of seven, is that so unrealistic? For we're getting we're getting the starting eleven back. The starting eleven that won ten uh, did not lose for ten games, and one of the ten, we, we went eight and two out of ten, and one of those was away at the Emirates. And I'm saying that squad is not gonna drop points to Wolves, Palace, Villa, Fulham, Luton, West Ham, and Forest. I do not think that's crazy to say. Where do we drop points? 
then from now to the end of the season? I think the, the only game that I'm going into thinking, fuck, is Liverpool at Anfield. Because that is just, a, it's a cursed ground. But outside of that, I think, obviously, I'm not going to say, oh, Man City at home, because... Right, but Man City at home, it's at home. It's a big game. We always love that game. Same thing with Arsenal. I, I think as I think Spurs, as this is this is kind of the litmus test for really me when I was like Conte has to go. If you lose to Arsenal at home, that is when you you can't. Spurs can't lose to Arsenal at home. They can't. It should not be allowed. It should <laughs> not be allowed. That's what I'm saying. And it's one of those things where no 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 how, why, when, what, whatever. Spurs against Arsenal at home has to be a win. It has to be a win. At the minimum, a well, a, a very well fought out draw. Even when we were shit. Even when we were shit. And I wasn't old enough to understand football. And I just know this through history. Even when we were shit in the 90s and whatever, we still showed up to Arsenal. And, th- and I think right now, when we're incredible, we're going to show up to Arsenal. And we're going to school them. So I'm not going to go into that game. I, I don't think as fans, it shouldn't be allowed as fans to go into a game like that as being pessimistic. As a fan, you should not be pessimistic. Agreed. To Arsenal, uh, we're beating Arsenal. I, th- we're I beating think Arsenal I, how I see it is, how I see it is we've got, seven ho- we've got seven home games left. Two of those home games are Man City and Arsenal. I reckon we win six out of our seven home games. We probably drop points in one of those games, I'm going to say. Where I reckon so that's six wins. I reckon in the away games, we have Fulham away when we have Sheffield United away. I, I think that's two wins there. So that's another, that's got that up to eight. And then of the remaining away games, that's Liverpool away, Newcastle away, West Ham away, Villa away, and Newcastle away. Now, uh, and Chelsea away as well. Out of those, uh, of those six home into games. Account Chelsea, so, yeah. Chelsea, so that's Chelsea, Villa, Newcastle, Liverpool. Um, uh, Chelsea, Villa, Newcastle, Liverpool, um, and Chelsea. Out of those five away games, how many wins are we actually going to get? It's going to be tough. So I don't, I don't know if there's going to be more than two in, the, in those away games. So I'm going to say, that's, and that's been quite positive, I think, two wins out of those away games. Those are really difficult away games. They're notoriously so, bad at all those So games. that takes it to 10 wins, though. If I get if we get two out of those five, so I'm going to go, and that's being positive. And we're what being winning at St James's, winning at Liverpool, winning at West Ham, winning at Chelsea, and winning at Villa. Any of those would be big, big wins. So I'm going to go for two out of five. Anyway, I'm going to go two out of five. So uh, out of those away games, so I'm going for ten wins. That puts us on seventy-seven. Yeah, I didn't put take into account Chelsea. We're winning at Stamford Bridge this year. You reckon we're winning at Stamford? We're winning Bridge. at Stamford Bridge this was, year, hundred percent. Exactly that thing. I was about to say, Finn, you've convinced me to eleven. <laughs> eleven. So I'm. I said eight. I'm going to go to nine because I didn't take into account the Chelsea game. So I'm saying nine wins. But I think how many points is to guarantee us top four? I think it's much less than that. Eight, eight wins. Eight, win, eight. eight wins gets us to seventy-two. That's definitely top four. Yeah, I think it might even be less than that to guarantee us top four. That, honestly, yeah. I'm saying seventy-two is like guaranteed. Yeah, like, but yeah. I'm saying with the way Villa and Man United are going to be from now to the end of the season, I, I think don't it could see be them, less. I don't see either of them hitting seventy. That's what I'm saying. So yeah, um, yeah, it could be less than that. Yeah, probably yeah, sixty-seven maybe, which is uh, like seven wins. Maybe eight if we win all months. our home games from now to the end of the season, bar the Man City game, I think that's top four done. That's six wins, yeah. Yeah, I think that's top four done, uh, regardless of what happens in the away games. But yeah. um, let's finish off talking about the summer transfer window. It's obviously 
there for all to see that we need a winger coming in from now until the end of the season. I'm going to start with Amir on this one because I know exactly what he's going to say. Uh, but what winger do you want to see us bring in in the summer? Well, you know exactly what I'm going to say, but it's quite, <laughs> a, it's quite a tricky name. I don't even know if I can, but I'll give it a shot. So I want uh, your man from uh, Napoli, Khartats Velia. I think that's how hmm. you, you say his name. Uh, the Georgian Messi... For me, he's our man. He's going to cost a ton of money. But Mr. Levy, just get your wallet out because this guy's worth it. You know, he, he's he's young. He fits the bill. He's strong. He's fantastic on the ball. He can beat a man. Players haven't got a clue which way he's going, left or right. And he's got a finish on him. Um, Do Champions you think that's League realistic? Club. Is it realistic to bring in a Kavisha in the summer? Seeing as Why? Napoli aren't even doing well this season, is he going to look to leave in the summer? Why not? Why, 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 why limit ourselves? You know, any wingers that we're looking at, you know, I, I think we should be looking at the top, top draw. At the end of the day, you know, you want players to come in and you want them to fight for their place in the eleven. So there's no point, you know, with all due respect to Timo Werner, there's no point in signing someone like Werner permanently. You want to bring in someone young, a replacement that for, for you know, Sonny over the years, Someone that's going to come in and, and, you know, really even battle Sonny for that place. You know, that's what you want. That's what Liverpool have. That's what City have. And that's what will push us uh, further in the long run. So that's that's the guy I want. That's my man. There's a few other, you know, niggling subject, subjects that are, are, you know, all over the place. Good players that I'm, I'm looking at. But he's the one that really, really excites me. And I think... You know he could suit this Irish team because he can. He's got a good ball on him as well. He knows that he knows how to place the ball. He needs to slot into that front three perfectly. Ariane, who would you like to see? For me, for me, it would have it would be clearly Neto, but I'm especially with the amount of hamstring injuries we have, that just worries me too much. Mm. So, because solely off of that, my pick is Nico Williams. I think that kid is... I think Khvisha is a very good shout in terms of... I think he's definitely... Um, at the moment, he's a better player. I, I don't think anyone's going to... Um, I think he's got a, be he's a better finish. He's definitely stronger. He's more polished. But for me, Williams is much more dynamic. I think he's a better creator. And I think the, the parts of his game that probably aren't quite there, which is his probably his um just his decision making quite at the very uh, 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 the, in, the, in the box pretty much just um the final the uh, shot really i don't even think his passing is all that i think he's, he's an excellent creator he's a he's a lot of when brennan johnson plays well and he's in the position and he's giving that pass and he's giving the final ball that's what he does best the best of Brennan Johnson is, I think, what Nico Williams is, is like, it does consistently for Athletic Club when I watch him play. He's dynamic, he's, and he's a lot dribblier than anybody we have. Complete, get one-on-one, -on -one, no idea where he's going, bam, left, right, boom, and he cuts it inside, cuts it back for his brother most of the time, who's going to slot it in. Um, and I think he is outstanding. And in a Spurs shirt, he's actually going to get exactly the best out of him. 1v1, pacey. He's exactly what we want down the wings. Imagine him and Johnson both knowing exactly mm. what to do, cutting it back. It's, it's going to be total mayhem on the wings for any fullbacks. And then you have Son or Richardson ready to just slot it home. Oh, my God. Him, 
I think he'd be outstanding. But how old is he, Ariel? I think he's twenty-one. Oh, he's only twenty-one. Wow. Wow, yeah, he'd be a very good shout as well. To be fair. Nico Williams has got all the attributes. He's yet to explode, uh, really, in an athletic Bilbao shirt. He's not pulling up crazy numbers as of yet. I think this season is, what, six assists and three goals or something. Is, does that concern you at all, or is, he, or is he just waiting to explode? I think he's waiting. I think, I think this is where he's going to explode. I think this, we, have, we have the pyrotechnic. That's, that's what I'm saying, right? Uh, mm. We have Ange Postacoglu. He's going to be the one to light the fuse. A uh, 21-year-old doing, in, you know, in La Liga, doing outstanding. Just when you watch him play and he's 1v1, you yourself have absolutely no clue what's going to happen. When I watch Kulosevsky, the defenders clearly have no idea what's going to happen, but I know what he's going to do. I always know what Kulosevsky's going to do. I love Kulosevsky, right? I know what he's... I have no clue what the hell Nico Williams has in his in his back pocket ever. I've never watched him think he's gonna do this. He always, I'm like, I mean, he's gonna cut inside and he does a step over, drops his shoulder. I'm like, he's the cut inside, and then boom, he tricks me while I'm watching. No other winger does that for me. I think he is exactly what we need. Where he's just gonna just do that one thing that nobody expects, and he's gonna create that little half space and cut it back, and boom, there's another last minute winner. Sim. I think, yeah, Nico Williams would be my pick just because I think age-wise, I think he can play on both wings as well. I think dribbling-wise, I think exactly what we need. We need someone who's able to beat a man consistently. But if he's unattainable for whatever reason, there's rumours that Arsenal and Chelsea are going to be involved in a bidding war. So there's a chance maybe we can't get He's got a release clause. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I I mean, I don't know what the uh, uh, situation is with him. If If we can't get him... I think the next two down the list would be obviously Pedro Neto, who I absolutely adore. I think he is. I think he's in terms of perfect for our system, Premier League ready. Uh, the kind of profile he is, I think he is so perfect. And I think he, there's very few players in world football who are just as comfortable in terms. Very few wingers who are just as comfortable on both wings like Pedro Neto is. He can be equally on the comfortable on the left or the right. In a way, if he can stay fit, it kind of you don't need to sign two wingers because he can just play on both both sides he's that good and then obviously we've got other players in those positions so I absolutely love um, Pedro Neto obviously there is the caveat he has had injuries um, it is an issue that seems to be plaguing him he had said some serious injuries as well but if he can pass a medical I think he'll probably be number one number one in terms of uh, who I want. I think I'll probably refer him to Nico Williams in terms of a player, just, just because um, his injuries give that caveat. And then the next one on my list would be Michael Lise from Palace. Again, mm. you have another um, problem. He does. He also has hamstring problem injuries. He has picked up a few injuries. But if we, again, if he's a player who we're caught, he's still very young, I think 21 years of age. I think he's actually got more quality than Pedro Neto on, with his left foot. The problem with comparing him to Neto is I think Neto's more of a both-way winger, whereas Olise is more of a winger who just likes to cut inside on his left foot. But he's that effective on his left foot. It might be worth having. I do, do think he's got a bit more quality on that left peg as well. I think he's got a great shot on him he's got a bit, maybe a bit of a better cross on him as well um, I absolutely adore Michael Lise as well I do think he's attainable will he be more expensive than Neto I'm not 100% sure but I think um, I love Michael Lise so much I think he'd be uh, an amazing addition I don't think he can go both ways like Neto does I don't think you can put Lise on the left and him being an effective winger like Neto so that's why I kind of prefer Neto to him but I do think Lise's got a bit more quality so I think he'd be next on my list but 
I think Neto is kind of a dream. If we can keep him fit, I think he is just incredible. I think he's just so perfect. I really if do. injuries weren't an issue, he had to be everyone's number one choice because he is just perfect Absolutely. what we want to do. Absolutely perfect. But the injuries are a massive concern, as is they are with Michael Elise as well, especially as his hamstrings. And we all know what happens with Ange Postacoglu's systems and, and hamstrings. It just seems to be a recurring problem, even at Celtic. So... With the money that Elise is going to cost, I think it's also a massive concern. But Pedro Neto, I do believe that as much as I've said consistently his injury problems are a massive concern, if he can stay fit from now until the end of the season, I would do it. I really would um, for 60, 70 million odd. But I'd like to throw in another couple of names in there that haven't been mentioned. I mean, Bakayoko of PSV. I think he's absolutely insane with his one-on-one dribbling out on the right wing. Um, I watched him play in a couple of Champions League games this season as well. Um, I think he's been brilliant. And in the Eredivisie as well, he's getting high number of assists. And also in the Championship, you've got to look at Plymouth Morgan Whitaker with the amount of goal contributions that he's been pulling in this season is absolutely insane. I think 14 goals and seven assists at 23 years of age. And he's their captain. I think um, we should be looking at someone like him as well. So... As much, I would take any of the guys that have been mentioned so far in this video. I think that are there. I think they would all be uh, really oh. good astute signings for us. Other names potentially are like maybe teams who are more attainable because obviously we haven't like mentioned a couple people like Rafinha who has obviously been linked and stuff. But mm. um, I, I don't know about Rafinha. I'm not 100 percent sold on him as much as I think he's a great player. But would you have said that after his leads like coming? I, out I, of Leeds, I, I really wanted him at yeah. Leeds, but it's not quite worked at Barcelona for one reason or another. I think he could work at Tottenham. It would be a good signing. But one of the name I think would be perfect for Spurs, but he might be very expensive is Matoma. I think Matoma, I know he's a bit older, 26, maybe not, doesn't have that young dynamic age that we're looking for in terms of resale value. But in terms of a profile of player, I love Matoma. I think he'd be a, a great signing. He'd be perfect. But Brighton always come on big fees. So I don't like, if you're going to spend 60, 70 million or, on a player, do you want a younger player rather than someone who's 26? I reckon that's How where the got his contract, Mitoma. Because um, we did do the dirty with them on uh, Bissouma. We got Bissouma for like 25 million off. He's there. yeah, 2027. 20, okay, so he's got a long he's got a long time on his contract. So um, if we do get Champions League football and with the FFP um, um, issues surround, if when we do get Champions League and with the FFP <laughs> issues surrounding a lot of the top clubs, is there any chance we put our balls on the table and go big on for someone like Rafael Leal? I mean, we should. We really should. It's like the same what Amir was saying with Kavisha, you know. If we get Champions League football, there is no reason why we shouldn't just put our balls on the table, go heavy, heavy, heavy on a winger. There is no reason why we shouldn't. If you're looking at the positions that we desperately need and the, and the last jigsaws to the puzzle, pieces to the puzzle, you know, why not go massive on a winger when you're looking at the striker department for next season, have Alejo Valiz and Richarlison in that position. Centre-back positions seem to be sorted as well, potentially with Ashley Phillips coming in, potentially bringing in one more. There's just a few little niggling positions like a, a competition for Destiny Adogi at left-back, maybe one more midfielder in there when Hoybier goes. But the big signing has to come in the wing the, on the winger position. And why not go spend 70 to 100 million on a player like Liao and Kavisha? I don't see a reason why not. Yeah. Levy will find a reason. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, sorry. no, no, I, I agree. We did spend no, no. 60 on Richarlison. We spent 50 on Brennan Johnson. That's exactly it, though. That's that, that, It's what I've been calling out for for so long, for me. This is... 
then no one can come and have you know any discussions oh we don't put the money down oh there's a reason that we're not succeeding give and exactly what he needs to succeed next season and build off what we're building this season it's it's a rare opportunity that we have with the ffp thing and you know that whole uh advantage that we've gained in that realm of, of football now that, that is there so why not take advantage and use it and if it is only an extra 20 million or 15 15 million, put it on instead of going for somebody that is not ready yet bring in the mm. players with experience they already have played in champions leagues they know what big games are mm. they're, they're ready ready made in you terms know? of like someone like a layout apparently he does want to move to the premier league it's well documented and like in terms of in terms of premier league clubs like in being in, in accordance with ffp and stuff obviously you've got the top sides i mean are liverpool going to spend that amount of money to get him arsenal have someone like martinelli there the city just signed doku and they got Grealish <coughs> on the left hand side um obviously there's chelsea who could always put the money up but if he's looking for champions league football I mean, could Tottenham be a viable destination for someone 100%. like him? 100%. I don't see... There's no reason why not. The only reason why not is because we more than likely will probably go for a more up-and-coming player that costs half the price than someone like a Rafael Leal. But I want to see us go big. And there is no reason with where the squad is at right now, the work that Big Ange is doing, the, the threshold we have with FFP, the money that also we've been spending recently, why not just go big on that winger? There is no reason, in my opinion. You look at the summer, right? You look at the summer. We, like you said, we spent fifty on Brennan Johnson, and uh, we brought in Mickey Van de Ven. We brought in, uh, you know, we've we've had outstanding recruitment from the summer. Now, January was the first. The reason I was so happy about January, it was the first season. Screw the amount of money we spent because it wasn't much. It was a loan and twenty million, but it was the first time I have ever in my lifetime seen Spurs be proactive instead of reactive in the in the transfer window. Proactive. We got Dragoose in and we got Werner in early. And that was massive for us. And we weren't able to get some of the outgoings, but it wasn't really our fault. We weren't able to get Hoyt Bureau. We weren't able, you know, and that was kind of contingent, you know, because it wasn't even like a money thing. Look, you know, why, why would we sign a midfielder if we have Hoyt Bureau? That would just be stupid squad management. So outside of those things that really were out of our control, I thought we did outstanding in terms of uh the you know our proactivity in the window and we have been spending the money because 20 million on a center back in january we haven't even done that we haven't even for, for, for where our bar is and admittedly it's a low bar we haven't even hit that in in recent times in the january window it's been a bunch of loans and it's been you know outside of like that one where we got benson core kuliseski right and when and levy has shown one thing and it was it's it's the windows where the manager has performed for Conte, that was the season where he finished fourth. He backed Conte big time, right? We weren't able to get Bastoni. We did get Longley, but it was well documented that Conte wanted Longley. And that I think we spent, we, we bid, like we bid Inter's asking price for Bastoni and we just weren't, he just didn't want to come. And then outside of that, Conte won Longley and that's that. But besides that, we sent 60 on Richarlison. We spent pretty big on him and we got Perisic, which we, ne we never get a 33 year old, mm. right? So he backed Conte in that summer and he failed. And Ange came in, and he, even though he hadn't had anything outside of a preseason game, he backed him. I think he got him some outstanding requirement. And Mickey Van Der Ven has been more probably my – he's arguably signing up the season without great He's been mm -hmm. in James Madison, Brennan Johnson, lots of big money there. Vicario, outstanding again. Um, and then, like I said, proactive in January. So Levy has – to in, in to his credit, 
when the manager was performing, he has he has backed him in the last two, three years, which I think are relevant to to this conversation. And we have nothing we have only about maybe two we have a backup goalkeeper we need to probably worry about for Vicario we have a backup left back we need to worry about for uh Udogi but outside of that we have a midfielder and a winger and there's no reason in a summer window when you only have two when was the last time Spurs had two positions to worry about in a summer window two never that hasn't happened like in how long two positions long time there's no excuse not to hit 70 million 70 million in college 100 percent I, t- I totally agree. But in terms of back on the Rafael Leal thing, I mean, he is having a bit of a poor season out in AC Milan this year, as well as Kavisha at Napoli. I mean, do we want to spend this kind of money on those two players? I know they're top quality players, but is their form and their seasons concerning? Um, three goals this season for Rafael Leal. Yeah. In th- nine assists, though. So he is still seven. It says here nine. I've got nine, nine assists Maybe in here. all comps. Um, yeah, mate, look, when it comes to spending 100 million, maybe, uh, yeah. I guess you could, you could definitely argue that. And especially as well with Liao, does he have the right character that you want in the dressing room? Is he going to come as like a superstar who's going to, you know, uh, throw his weight around a bit? I don't know what kind of character he is. I know he's like a bit of a rapper. I know he's he's got that kind of side We've to We've got him. Emerson for that. We don't. Um, <laughs> I'm not saying I'm not saying, I'm not saying he's a bad character. I don't know. I don't. But I don't know if we spend a hundred million on him and he comes in as like uh, the kind of character we want. I don't know. That's also a question mark. So there's a lot of things to consider um, for sure. So yeah, maybe it's too much of a risk. I don't know. He is. He's not like he's twenty twenty one. You know what I mean. He's at twenty four years of age now. He should be coming into like scoring a lot more than three goals at this point of the season. I mean, yeah. Yeah, last season he was brilliant, and the season before that he was brilliant. He's having an off season. AC Milan are having an off season, mm. and Pioli is the coach who's long overstayed his welcome at AC Milan. I mean, a lot of their players are underperforming. They have a lot of talent there, like Malik Tall, or their center back. He's underperforming. Uh, really, outside of Giroud, that entire squad's underperforming. So I don't really think it's fair to pin it all on Leao. Because again, like like Sim said, he still had about 10 goals and assists this season. Um, and that's a decent return for a team that's struggling. And and we know what kind of player, yeah, yeah you know, he was he was poor. He's, he, he's been poor this season, but Son was poor last season. Son was poor last season. And look at him, right? Mm-hmm. Players just have poor seasons sometimes. And, that, and that's- Son natural, was playing for injury right? though. So I, I, mm. I, I personally, Wait, I don't. I don't really know layout situation. Honestly, maybe he's playing through injury for all I know. Yeah. Um, well, the, I think it's safe to say there are plenty of targets that we pe- we could be splashing the cash on this summer. And one yeah. thing's for certain that we all agree on that Spurs need to be splashing the cash on a top winger well, this it, summer. It seems to be though that according to the what we're hearing, there does seem to be a, like a big budget allocated to a winger. This, so. this summer that's what like the noises it noises anyway like in terms of we had Rafinha's on the list we had Neto's on the list like I don't think that list would have been drawn up with those players on it if there's not a big budget allocated to that kind of those that kind of players so mm. that's really positive yeah I just hope they're not looking at Rafinha just because you know he's not getting a look in at Barcelona so and it could be a bit of a cut price deal I don't think he's so bad come on I didn't want him at Leeds he's a good player Rafinha I don't think so. Even when he was at Leeds, and we were, there, I remember that summer where it was Rafinha or Richarlison. Mm-hmm. I have, I still have the tweets. I was, I was very anti-Rafinha. I don't, I don't think he's been. He's a hero ball player. He's not a fan. He's not a player that can. He's a lot like Marcus Rashford. 
And mm-hmm. so maybe you're, you're looking at me crazy, be like, oh, Marcus, I, I don't think Marcus Ashford is much either. I think he's a he's a hero ball player. I don't think he's all that. He's he's a player who's who has moments, and he doesn't have moments consistently. He has moments throughout the season, and when he has those moments, he has one game. He has even just in a game, he has one outstanding goal, and then he disappears. I, I, even at Leeds, that's what he was, and that's why he was so good at Leeds because it was like, what do we look to? We have Rafinha, boom, moment of magic, three mm-hmm. games. That was enough to keep Leeds up. And that's why he was so good there. But even that season, he didn't have that crazy of a return. He was he was actually still kind of average if you look at it on paper. I don't think he's ever been the caliber of player that he's made out to be. And I think at Barcelona, that was just exposed. Yeah, that's fair enough, to be honest. It is fair I think enough. It's I, think... Bit, I think it's a bit harsh, Ben, no? Like, I, from what I remember from Rafinha for Leeds, like, I can remember him breezing past players and smashing the ball in the back of the net quite a few quite a few occasions but i get um, what you're saying because a lot of it was just moments in games i'm not sure if he like dominated games for 90 minutes at a time like maybe. a lot of them were free kicks as well like in that season he scored 11 goals how many of them were free kicks like probably a high percentage of them no it well, didn't seem like maybe it were two or three probably i reckon more than that I reckon I mean that's still mm. decent for free kicks. If you think mm. about how many free kicks, I think he's season. yeah. I think he's a decent player. I don't want him particularly at Spurs, but I don't. I don't think he's you know. I think he would definitely be a handy player for for anyone getting him off. I like him. What about I like um, him. But I like the other options that we've spoken about more than him. What about Brian and Buemo from Brentford? Yeah, I think the funny thing about Buemo is everybody everybody here thinks he's like twenty seven. He's like twenty three. Yeah, <laughs> he, he is like wow. 23 or 25, which, which when I found out, I was like, what? Um, but he's decent, but it's like, um, is he better than Timo Werner? Is he really better than Timo Werner? I think he is. I, to be honest, I actually think Embuemo would have been perfect for Conte, but I don't know about Ange Ball. That's the only thing. Like, if he has to like, hug the touchline, I don't know if he's that kind of winger. I think he likes to be more central, kind of getting it on goal kind of play. Um, but I do like him a lot. I think he's quick. He's got a great left foot, very underrated. Um, he's more of a transitional kind of maybe yeah, attacker, but I wouldn't be surprised if we look at him, though, being at Brentford. He's, he's one of those where I think Upper mid table, I think, is his ceiling. I don't think he has any place at Spurs with where I think we should be. A few outside the box ones, maybe um, you know, Dortmund have that player. Adiemi, um, Adiemi, Villarreal have that winger as well. Pino, these Gary kind of Pino. players, up and coming um, wingers from around Europe. You know, they could also be viable options. Is... You don't know Pino? I think first of all, you'll get to know, don't you, worry. No, I know who he is, but I'm saying I don't know where the hype from him is. He's every time I see him, he's like, whatever. I think he's injured right now, anyway. Yeah, like, didn't uh, he get a long, big injury? Right, I think. I don't yeah, know. He got, I, he got an ACL. Yeah, yeah, I thought um, so. Yeah. And then on top of that, I um every time I did see him, I, I didn't. I never thought it was anything special. I really don't know where the hype with him ever is. He never seemed that dynamic one v one. He never seemed that strong. He didn't seem like he had that great of a shot. I don't really know what he has. So I. I, I I personally have never really been impressed by Jeremy Pino every time I've seen him play. Kareem Adiemi, though? I haven't watched mm. a lot of Dortmund, honestly. Um, but from what I've seen, he's, he's, he just seems like a he seems a pretty good player. He seems like a decent player. Uh, I've, I've watched a couple of games. I've, the thing is, mostly what I've watched is is Bayern games. I've watched a couple of Leverkusen games, watched a couple of Leipzig games because I think they play very fun. Um, and... I think in two of those games where they were against Dortmund and he seemed 
he ne- I, don't, I don't think he ever dominated a game. But again, he's a young player. He seems like a he seems like a good up and coming fast winger. I mean, there's not much. I don't think he's not one that sticks out to me like the other ones. He seemed a bit like of a, a pace merchant from one out from what I saw of him. Like very quick, but yeah, unbelievably but, quick. Yeah, yeah, but I don't like whether there's more to him than that. You know what I mean? Like if, when he's got space to play in, he can be good. But whether I don't know whether he's like really good in those one-on-one battles. What about um, Chiesa from Juventus? Ah, oh, he's injury problems as well, though. Yeah, he's also got injury problems. He is what a, a top, 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 what top, top player. player. I love him yeah. so much as a player. I think Preach. he'd be perfect for us, but. Again, injuries are his problem. Yeah, he's also got bad injury problems. But I wonder if we could get, a, you know, maybe Juve got problems with their, with Mali and maybe we get him cheap. One thing that we kind of have to, I mean, can you really name me a fast player that doesn't have injury problems? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, that's it's true. one thing we kind of have to accept. Right? We have to accept that, look, if we're going to get a fast dynamic winger, they're going to have injury problems. Mm. I think some obviously there's there's a limit to it. There's you know there's like Ndombele for example. Oh my God! When Ndombele first signed, he's obviously not fast. But what my point is, when Ndombele first signed, I'm under Poch. Remember that he played a game, get injured. Play a game, got injured. He played a game, he got injured. Right? That's obviously unacceptable. But I don't think Neto, for example, is that bad. Right? He'll get injured so like maybe for about a fourth of the season uh, cumulatively, but he will give you some top for that 75 percent that he said he, he will give mm. you absolute cream of the crop performances i think right mm. he's one that you have to it, it's it, he's so good when he when he's fit that you're like you have to just take it on take it in the chin and, and go and say yeah some players some players are worth it some players are worth it i mean last season neto played what how many right. games he had a serious injury the year before how many games did he, he play? had an acl what can yeah, you say had, like that, that yeah but we're talking about year in year out the guy's 23 years old yeah, but it happens. You know, it happens to players. But right now, he's the best he's well, ever he's been. Had, since 2019, since 2019, he's played 129 games for Wolves. So what is that? Mm-hmm. Divide that by five, right? So 129. Well, 20, 20 games, about 23 uh, he's games a season. 20, 25, 26 games. Hmm. I don't think that's horrible. And remember, Whoa. that's some a lot of that is look, twenty nineteen he was like eighteen. So he's not fully bedded in the whole time either. So it's not like he's missing all those three injuries. He might just be benched for some of them too. You know, a player that really excites me as well that I think could be a really good option for us, but I think he's just signed a new contract with Sociedad is Kubo. He looks like an unbelievable talent. One-on-one dribbling, mm. successful take-ons. I mean, he's got the full package of what we need as a winger in a Postacoglu system, in my opinion. Uh, but with him just signing a new contract, like last week, I think it was, he could be quite hard to get out of Sociedad. <laughs> Say again? It wasn't all that good against Iran, but honestly, the whole Japan team. If you're going to completely just judge a player on one game, then who um, knows? But you know, you know who was he's oh, a top you know player. Who was horrible in that Iran game, not to not to. Yeah, he is. But you know who was horrible in that Iran game, by the way? Which it, it's Akura. I have it's Akura in that game, and I'm, you, I'm, I think we've been linked with him a couple times, right? That center back. Yeah, he was so unbelievably shit that he's the reason we won that game by the way i don't know if you saw the penalty that that we scored in the 96 minute to win it no reason the ball comes in from the sky misreads the flight completely there's no iranian players around him by the way there's at least eight yards of space between him and the nearest iranian player completely misreads 
the, the, the ball in the air, clashes into another Japanese player, gets up and just kicks out an Iranian player for no reason. And that really summed up how shit he was all that night. So if we ever sign him, remember that I said that for no reason. Let's not sign him then. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. It was pretty. Uh, he was so bad. Oh my god. 